Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast, recorded September 19th, 2022. I'm Lori Calvacina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. This week, we reflect on some of the most interesting things we saw last week in terms of our high-frequency data updates. Three big things you need to know. First, positioning in the growth trade no longer looks worrisome to us. Second, Democrats continue to gain momentum in polling data, stoking election angst among U.S. equity investors. And third, valuations are starting to look reasonable again for the S&P 500. If you'd like to hear more, here's another five minutes. While you're waiting, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and other major platforms. Now the details. Let's start with takeaway number one. Positioning in the growth trade no longer looks worrisome. We were on the road last week presenting at various conferences. On Tuesday, we were attending the RBC Industrials Conference, where most companies painted a rosy picture of underlying demand. And that was the day when CPI came in hotter than expected, roiling stocks and taking the NASDAQ down more than 5% on the day. The ferocity of the unwind made Friday's CFTC release on futures market positioning in U.S. equities even more interesting to us, as that release captured data as of the preceding Tuesday. What we learned on Friday is that as of Tuesday, at least, positioning in NASDAQ futures among asset managers was fairly stable week over week, but it was actually down 85% from its mid-August 2022 high, a level that was fairly close to the peaks of 2014-2015, early 2021, and early 2022. We'd been highlighting this peak-like positioning by asset managers in NASDAQ futures as a reason that the growth trade needed to pause in the near term. Increased hawkish rhetoric from the Fed, the big move up in the 10-year yield, and last week's CPI print were the triggers for the underperformance we've seen in growth recently. But the stretched positioning made this segment of the market very vulnerable to negative catalysts. While it's too early to say that NASDAQ positioning has bottomed, it's still a little bit above historical lows, it's important to note that the unwind we've seen already does appear to be later innings based on what we're seeing in this data set. Moving on to takeaway number two. Democrats continue to gain momentum in polling data, stoking election angst among U.S. equity investors. Something else that caught our eye in last week's updates is that Democrats have now pulled firmly ahead of Republicans in the generic congressional ballot. The improvement in the polling data for congressional Democrats has come in the aftermath of the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, alongside improved polling for Biden as gas prices have declined, and in tandem with an uptick in volume in betting markets for the race, which has seen expectations for the congressional races shift back in favor of Democrats over Republicans in the Senate, at least. While most of the focus over the last week has been on the Fed, inflation, and a pre-announcement from a company seen as a major economic bellwether, we think the shifts underway in expectations for the midterms have been another important contributing factor to recent market volatility. And what we're seeing in the data right now tells us that this headwind is unlikely to resolve anytime soon. Wrapping up with takeaway number three, valuations are starting to look reasonable again for the S&P 500. As of Friday's close, the S&P had fallen more than 10% from its mid-August high, and a retest of the June lows appears increasingly more likely. With the stock market moving so quickly, we're keeping a close eye on valuations. 
And it's there that we find a bit of good news. Following the recent declines, the top-down P.E. of the S&P 500 is below average on last year's EPS at about 18.3 times. That's also the case using this year's EPS and consensus forecast, where the multiple is at about 17 times. And it's also the case on this year's EPS using our own EPS forecast of 218, which is meaningfully below the consensus. When we crunch the multiple that way, we come up with 17.8 times. Now, those stats I just mentioned are all showing that we're basically back to or a little below the averages. But the index is still a little bit above average on next year's EPS using our 212 forecast, which is also well below consensus. So there's still some work to be done there. It's worth noting that the S&P 500 will be starting to approach the average on that particular version of the multiple if and when the index returns to its mid-June low. By our calculation, the average will be achieved if the S&P 500 hits 3561. While there's still a lot of uncertainty about the earnings outlook for the stock market on the buy side right now, we suspect that investors will not allow stocks to stay too cheap for too long, given the view among many investors that an economic downturn will be fairly short and shallow. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check out our sister podcast, RBC's Industries in Motion, for specific thoughts on sectors from RBC's team of equity analysts. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives. Thank you.